0: Good evening, everyone. James Hicks here from Hicks New Media. Uh, thank you for joining us for another edition of Perspectives and Focus. Tonight, we have a wonderful show for you. I'm glad you are able to attend. A uh, very meaningful message, and uh, hopefully, there'll be some, some engagement with my guest today because it's a timely, relevant topic of the day that needs to be discussed. Uh, my guest today, Montel Allen. Montel Allen is the founder of NBA Sports, a not-for-profit independent institution that's dedicated to providing quality service for minority and underprivileged student-athletes in their efforts to pursue college aspirations. Their goal, bridge the gap between minorities, underprivileged student-athletes, and college education using sports as a hybrid platform. This is accomplished by helping young men and women get through the process and achieving a higher level of education. Tonight we're gonna to talk about all the efforts that NBA sports has achieved. We're gonna chat a little bit about the process of recruiting for sports, especially here in California and how over the past 24, 24, 25 years with cutbacks it has been directly affecting men of color within their communities. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Martel Alvin. Thank, you, you,
1: doing there? Thank okay. you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll start off talking a little bit about my, 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 my organization, NBA Sports. It's a nonprofit I started uh, several years ago. And like you said, it definitely helped bridge the gap, especially for those underprivileged and those having the opportunity to go to college. And using that platform of sports, probably football for men of color, to be able to get into schools, educate themselves, and be able to give back to the community.
0: Awesome. So let's... let's Rewind just a little bit because I mean that that's the big picture. That's what we want to spend some some time talking about. Uh, I think that's a fantastic uh, task, right, that you've taken on because that that needs to happen and that needs to happen specifically for folks within our community. And and it's good to see someone that looks like us out there representing and really trying to to move that needle and deposit in a forward direction, but. Outside of the corporate world, tell the folks who Montel Allen is. Oh,
1: all. me, man! I'm, just a, <laughs> I'm oh, gonna man, put you I'm, on the spot. I'm a I'm a guy that, that you know I was raised in Sacramento, California. Uh, a good friend of yours, and one of my great friends, Kevin Bracey, is the one yes. that links up. Uh, we've been partners in crime for I don't know how long. And man, I'm just I'm a I'm a real passionate guy. I'm a family man. I, I'm really passionate about kids and their opportunities because I know how hard it is. I know I was the lucky one to get out of my crew. I mean, okay. I was just. I was just thinking about the other day, man. By the time I was fourteen, you know, I witnessed—I witnessed my my brother being killed to gang violence. I witnessed drug addiction. I witnessed alcoholism. I was raised by a single mother. Um, I, I witnessed our house getting shot up uh, when we were young. I witnessed all these things going on. Living in Meadowview Apartments by the by Burbank, yeah. living over there. Uh, you know, my mom was lucky. When I was fourteen, we moved to we moved to Citrus Heights, which was a blessing. You know. Um, Due to her situation, we, we you know got better, but we were raised in Freeport. I lived in the gardens. There was a mm-hmm. lot of stuff going on. and I'm thinking back, man, by the time I was 14, I witnessed all these things. I mean, that's post-traumatic syndrome for most people, <laughs> you know. Yes, you sir, witnessed it is. That, yeah. When all that going through and I was able to, to, you know, internalize that, use it as a motivational skill, um, go to college and be successful and graduate from college, you know, got my master's and been working in corporate America for several years. And, you know, and I, and I had the opportunity to play football. You know, football was my outlet and my main outlet to be kind of do do that, and I want to be able to get that opportunity back to to some young men because I know they're going through either similar similar situation as I went through or even worse.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you that because that's that's very interesting. Just I I know those areas, I know those neighborhoods, I've lived in those neighborhoods some of those neighborhoods as, as well. Mm-hmm. They're challenging, right? Again, you you're surrounded by a, a lot of pulls in one particular direction, it's easy to fall into whatever trap, peer pressure, whatever you want to call it. How did you personally pull yourself out of those particular situations and say, you know what, I myself have to do something better or I know that there's something better for me. And, and how did you turn that into a desire to help others as well once you got of age, of education, of means and things of like that?
1: I think the, the, the starting point for me was definitely when my brother got – my brother passed away. I mean, it happened, when, like I said, when I was 14 years old, my first year in high school. Um, he was at a – you know, he was he was a guy that was – he was a guy known in the neighborhood, pretty tough guy doing his thing. We, we had just moved to Citrus Heights. He always wanted to keep going back to the old neighborhood in Freeport. And, you know, situation happened. He was at a party, got in an argument, and things went the wrong way, and he, he was killed. I think at that point, and seeing my mother cry – was like that was a gut-wrenching moment for me where I'm like, you know what? It's, it's not going to happen no more to my family. And the way that I figured it out was through transition or, or pushing, my, pushing my anger, my desire all into sports. Um, yeah. And that didn't even come easy. I mean, like I said, I mean, I went to Mesa Verde. It wasn't known as a high, mm-hmm. you know, high school powerhouse or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that point on, I, I played basketball, football, ran track. Dominant, I was really good at football and basketball. And it wasn't my football coaches that saw anything in me. It was my basketball coach. He asked me okay. one day, what do, you, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go play college football. And he was like, well, You know where you want to go? And then within the next couple of weeks, I started getting letters and interest. And Humboldt State at the time was very interested in me. Uh, guys wanted to go Division One. I. I really wasn't about the Division One thing. I really didn't even understand it at that time. It mm-hmm. wasn't really the big thing. I just wanted to go to college and get away and play. That's when, that was my desire. Humboldt State was really persistent in recruiting me so i said you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna i'm gonna take a leap of faith and, and go and go play and and, and ha- have fun and in that transition i saw so many guys that were like me that was their thing they got to they got to college they they got there they were able to figure out the path from there um and it was a pivotal moment in that and, and when i was in college because there was that was a point that i wanted to quit you know i wasn't playing they were talking about red shirt i didn't understand any of the process because i wasn't familiar with it there was nobody in my family could even talk to i didn't even have a and i'd have a father figure anybody I could even turn to because I've yeah. never been to college, so no yeah. one knew it. And I was sitting in my locker, and I, I, there was an older gentleman next to me, and he was just like, man, I know you're not going to let, you know, uh, your development of football take away the opportunity to get your degree. And that really resonated wow.
0: with me. Wow. Like, wow, okay, yeah. like,
1: whoa, like, you know, he was like, I know you're not going to let these guys basically put these dead bugs in your ear and, and, and put doubt in you. That's going to let you take away your opportunity to get your degree. We we all here the same. We we're here to get this piece of paper. So that coming from an older an older guy, a mentor of mine, it just resonated with me, man, and it stuck. It really okay. stuck really it stuck really deep with me. And that, that pushed me. That pushed me to get my degree. That pushed me to be successful in football at that level. That pushed me, you know, even my opportunities, you know, if I wanted to go to the next level. Um and, and things happen why you know, why people don't or do do. But I mean that really just resonated with me in giving back. And, and we okay. also had a, we had a mentor in college. We had a, a gentleman by the name of Blue Littleton uh, and, and, and R.J. Hicks. They were two African-Americans that were up there, which wasn't a lot of humble, but they were two very older right. gentlemen that used to always right. help pipeline in there. Um, Mr. Littleton was, was, was pipelining kids from Pittsburgh, California a lot, and R.J. was in R, under R.W. Hicks was probably from L.A. And I saw what they did and how much of an impact they had in other people's lives as well. So all those things collectively, when I graduated and I started having my own kids and I saw their things, I wanted to give back. Yeah, I wanted to figure out a way to give back.
0: And with you knowing football, with you knowing sports, and you already knowing that whole aspect of team, you know, one for one for all those types of things, it just yeah. seems a, been a, a perfect fit as opposed to going into some other profession, right? Just you you yeah. being tied to sports. Yeah, yeah, sports
1: does uh, I think a lot for the development of people, especially in corporate America. It teaches you how to be a team member. It teaches you how yeah. to be a leader. It teaches you how to speak. It teaches you how to be competitive. It teaches you how to uh, uh, um, really really be driven. You know, and, and learn how to work on the adver, adver, adversity. Um, yeah, how to be on the It just teaches you so many dynamics. And football is the ultimate team sport. You know, I know people. Some people don't want to believe it, but it is. That's the one sport that there's no one person that could dominate with it without the others. You can't. Yeah. A quarterback can't throw the ball unless the offensive line is blocking. <laughs> he
0: can't you know throw it mean? to himself, right? <laughs> he can't throw it to himself. He can't. He can't outrun. Every, he
1: can't outrun <laughs> other people unless they're blocking. He can't. He can't throw the ball unless somebody's catching it. He can't. They can't run the ball unless the running back is taking the ball and running it, and an offensive line is blocking. So, it's so many dynamics in football that 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 cultivate that team effort, which you need in the work environment. I mean, you need sure. to. I mean, and, and also it, it creates innovation. It creates, you know, uh, um, like a big competitive spirit. It it, it it you learn how to be successful with each other, and you learn how to fail. You know how mm-hmm. you learn how to endure failure. So, those things, and you learn how to overcome failure. So, those things are all big things that I learned through the process of sports. And I learned them as I got into college, and I learned how to translate that into the corporate American world.
0: We 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 hold that in common for sure, because well, so, so my sport was baseball. I played a lot of baseball, you know, so not as much as uh, as Kev did, but you know, I've coached the youth up here as well, and I'm and I'm always telling the youngsters that, you know, that when you're on these groups, when you're on these squads, you're relying on on them. They're relying on you. You 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 have to work for each other and with each other, and. Those are the leadership. Those are the qualities that you're going to take on this field, on this court, on this on this playground, wherever. And you're going to also take that into whatever profession that you do, all the relationships that you have going going forward as well. So sports is more important, I think, than folks realize if you look beyond just the game itself. But look at how much mental ability I I look at. I love coaches. Right. Mm-hmm. So I I'm, I'm a big Joe Torre kind of guy, you know, baseball coach. I am I'm a big thinking strategy type of person mm-hmm. and, and and I see that coming out of you in terms of this conversation that we're having that you're you're looking at it beyond just the physical like look, I got Hard Knocks on. I'm I'm watching Hard Knocks still every every, every morning when yeah. I fire this TV up. So I so I'm watching that aspect, but you're looking at it and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but beyond just the, the hitting, the blocking, the tackling and and the running routes but again the thinking person's game right The the, yeah, the ability to quickly see a situation adapt to adapt to it and, and uh, make some that, types of activity
1: that is a very very good point and you're right I, I would like to allude to that because I believe especially at least in my sport and football remember you have to be able to counter-react to what they're doing and you have to yeah. be able to counter-react on the fly so I, I hate when people put the stereotype that people are dumb football players are dumb <laughs> They're actually, you know, you're not because you're actually one of the ultimate strategists because you have to be able to counter-react to what the next person to do based off yeah. even what their reaction, what they see. So, what, And I'll take a person through a scenario. When the ball is getting – when they break the huddle and they go to the thing, the quarterback looks and sees what's going on. He'll either keep the play on or he'll call an audible. If he calls yeah. an audible, that means the plays change and the line changes. That mm-hmm. means the defense has to change their adjustments and what their responsibilities are right to – on the fly to what that happens. Now, mm-hmm. based on the snap of the ball – Things are completely different. That's going on. You have to adjust to whatever whatever that play is, and read and read what's going on to react to it to be successful. And now you have either successful size on offensive ball or the offensive ball because the strategy was better on that particular play, or the defensive strategy was better on that particular play to be able to break it up and stop it from going on. But right. the thing is, like you said in the beginning, it's a mental. It's more of a mental challenge than it is a physical challenge. All day, every day.
0: <laughs> Look, if, if I had to, if we all had to read those large. Playbooks every <laughs> every week before a, a game or before we do a, a, a meeting in in our day jobs we, we'd be stressed too you you can't oh. say that there's there's not a lot of high IQ folks that uh, play play in these professional sports absolutely. and collegiate sports whatever the absolutely. case
1: may be absolutely
0: so talk yeah. to us a little bit about uh, MBA and, and talk to us about kind of the, the the goal the purpose the mission behind what that activity is and and that the uh, the organization that you started.
1: Yeah, I think in NBA, The the goal behind that is definitely to help kids get to post-secondary um, education. Period. Mm-hmm. And, and and sports is a platform. I I know there's kids that don't play sports they go to college. Uh, but definitely, I think there's a there's a break between people of color and mm-hmm. and going to college because a lot of us are the first generations going to college. We yes. we we don't and and there is a process and people a lot of people don't understand the process. You have to not only get you know recruited by the, the the coaches and all that stuff but you also have to be admitted into school you have to take a certain yeah. amount of classes in, in, in high school to be able to be eligible for school uh, not only we get there you got to be able to test you got to understand what the redshirt process is you got to understand what's going to be demanded of you when you go to college because college sports is completely different than high school there, there's no yeah. you know I, in, in college you're gonna dedicate at least six hours of your day to that one sport you know and that's by working out getting up working out you got meetings you got practice and you have post meetings after that, and you got film to watch, and then you go home, and now you got to do your regular homework. Well, right. in high school, you go for two hours, and that's it. <laughs> you know, if that, you know, you go for an hour, yeah. and that's it, you go home, you don't really think about it anymore. But, it, you know, when you get to the collegiate level, it's more of a job. It's more of a job that you have to endure at really that level. Is. And I think people don't understand that until they get there. That's why there's so much shell shock, you know, for some kids, or that's why we have such a drawback from kids not, you know, when they want to come back home so fast because it's such a demand driven on you to, to to participate in sports now to go to school maintain your grades and all this thing and then not not having a platform or person to go back and reach back to and talk to because we don't have those mentors we're the first generations you can't call your mom and say hey mom i'm having problems with this can you help me well she can't teach you anything she doesn't know you can't call your brother because he can't teach you anything he doesn't know so we very we have very few mentors in those situations to be able to go give back to these kids and give them advice on how to handle those kind of situations because it gets stressful you're away from yeah. home uh, you're not getting a home-cooked meal you're tired you're wrestling yeah. you, you know you're restless you, you, you're playing football or you're playing your sport of your choice you you, you got all these different dynamics you're around people strangers you don't even know and we don't have that massage we don't have that ease of massage to get that advice so I think my business or NBA sports is kind of try to at least bridge that gap to get you in and, and give you at least a fair warning which I say the the power of no to let you know what you're going to get get yourself involved to once you step on that college campus.
0: Wow, the power of no. And and so you're really talking about the soft skills piece, right? Cuz everyone that goes to college, everyone moves off whatever, they go and get that twin XL bed in in their dorm room, whatever, you know, everyone has an RA, they they have those services. Yeah. But when you're an athlete in college, right? I, I, I like how you put it. That's really your job. Yeah, you're there for an education as well, but if you got a scholarship and you got recruited by that school, really your priority—be it all, whatever they want, somebody wants to say—your priority is really to go out there on that court, field, diamond, whatever, and and show out and and, and show those skills that you have. Absolutely. And those skills of helping that athlete manage through the day, manage through uh, finding someone to help them and tutor them with their homework because they're missing so many classes, because they're out at conditioning, they're out at practice, helping them with finding proper nutrition, right? Because you you can't just keep eating top ramen and and, and pizza and Mountain Dew all day if you're an athlete. You you gotta find someone to feed you, right? So it's a whole different ecosystem of folks I think they're gonna be around.
1: It's just just a different dynamic. Like, I mean, if you're an athlete in like the higher level, you go division one, division two. And so if you're Mm -hmm. on scholarship, they'll figure out, they're they're gonna try to allot your time for your time management the best as possible. That's great, and that's what they're supposed to do because they want you to maximize your skills as an athlete. But also in in that same situation, Who's going to talk to that young man that's lonely? Because let's be honest with you, you go somewhere, you go 1,500 miles away, you don't know anybody, you may know people on the team, but you're in that dorm room by yourself at the end of the day. Where you're used to being at your house when you have your mom and your brothers and your sisters to talk to, you have your friends you can communicate with. Mm -hmm. You have all these things. When you're having a bad day, who are you supposed to talk to when you don't really know nobody except for your teammates? You'll get to know them eventually, but you don't have that support and that mechanism like you do when you're closer to home. So just being separated from support mechanism, that's a difficult thing for anybody to do. Now, why do you think people, when people go to jail, is so difficult? Because they don't have a, they don't have no one to talk to. They, the support mechanism is taken away. It's the same thing. It's that 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 mechanism is taken away from you when you go to college. And if you have no one to lean on, or even have very little people to lean on, it's hard to make that adjustment. And especially for when you're a first generation person going to college, it's very difficult to make that adjustment going there because we don't have a support mechanism. Now, other people may have it. You will learn to lean on different professors, different advisors, and different things, and you can start to develop that, but development takes time. Development doesn't happen overnight. You don't instantly have a support mechanism. You don't instantly have friends. You don't instantly have a person you can go to and talk to. You don't Mm -hmm. have instantly anyone just to talk to unless you make that friend right away. So I believe you have to be able to massage those kind of things into a a young man or young lady as they're first going to school. And let's be honest, everybody's not built the same
0: way. That's true, that's true, right? Depending on your situation, depending on your circumstances, your upbringing, right? You, you may have both parents in your home and you come from a different dynamic as opposed to someone who didn't or, you know, from a financial situation, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So, so, so let me narrow this in a little bit more, kind of focus yep. to what I, MBA does, right? We talk about kind of the, the, the general collective, mm-hmm. but you're really focused on primarily- Providing
1: opportunity. An opportunity. I'm, I'm focused on giving them the opportunity.
0: But you're, you're focused on give, giving that opportunity. I think, and if, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you're oh. focused on everyone. But you you really got a, a specific reach out to the minority community, to the athletes of color, the ones who systematically probably have come up through a, a, a an environment to where they have been overlooked or not had the proper resources. Am, am yeah. I correct in saying that? Yeah, I do yeah, I won't yeah. put anything in your mouth.
1: No, no, you're you're absolutely. I really like to focus on those that that are. Um, underutilized. I really my main and my main sport let I me mean, be perfectly on is football. I do help other sports, but football is my 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 main passion. So I really work mm. with those young men a lot. So mm-hmm. I try to work on those that are that are underrepresented, Um not only by their 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 gender or the I mean not only by the color, their skin or the social economic situation, but also those that just don't get the opportunity.
0: So, That's what I wanted to hear. Okay.
1: The, the kid the, the kid that doesn't get the opportunity, you know, he may have nine kids on this team that are stars, but that one kid is working just as hard Doing everything just as right as they're doing, but no one's looking at him. I want to pull that guy, that diamond out of that rough, and show him and give him an opportunity to also get out, be able to go to schools just as well.
0: Makes and sense. Now, so so, give us a, so an example, kind of, of what services that you 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 provide, you offer. Like I I know of an organization. Uh, I think when we, when we talked a couple of months ago when we were planning this, I, I mentioned to you Max Preps, right? Yep. So, I mean, Max Preps is, I'm, I know you know them as well, but what yep. what services do you provide that are, that separate you from any of the other service providers that are out there I'll, helping I'll, young I'll, athletes?
1: I believe my services is just, I, I have a lot of good relationships with a lot of coaches out there, and I have a good eye for talent and be able to see talent and what's utilized, especially at the lower levels. Let's be, uh, you know, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Guys that are Division One capability or that are going to the big Power Five schools, they don't need my help. They don't need any input from me. They've already been physically blessed to be there, to be able to develop to play play at that level, but guys that are a little bit less than haven't developed, and need that need those few years to develop. But they have some they have a lot of talent. Guys that are you know small or considered small for their position, and uh, you talent. there's a ton of schools out there for them. Those schools may not be in California, but there's a ton of schools out there that are willing to offer money for them to come play and play for their team. I look for those guys, those diamonds in the roughs and say, hey, guys, you know, you can mm-hmm. actually go play in college. You can go play at Tabor. You can go play at Southwest Minnesota State. You can go play over there at, at, at McPherson. There's schools for you to be able to opportunity to go play, get your education, continue your four years of playing football. And at that point, who knows what happened? Because we all yeah. develop differently. You Some yeah. people develop at 17. Some people develop to the 20. You know, it depends on how you grow into your body. But if you have the skill set, there's an opportunity, there's a place for you to play football and get your degree.
0: I really like that because a, a lot of times athletes and just individuals as well, don't think of all the opportunities, all the possible opportunities that are out there, right? Going to a different location, going and play for a smaller school, not always looking for a Division one. You, you might not be ready for a D1 school, right? Let, let's look yep. at something else. Let's yep. look at something. If you live in California, let, let's look at Texas. Let's look at uh, Virginia. Let's look somewhere else. Get your education. Get the opportunity to play. Not just sit on the bench, but you actually may actually get a chance yeah. to get out there and, yeah. and, and and make a highlight reel. Exactly. Um no, those kind of things. And then see where, where that takes you. But that, so I I really like the fact that you go in with that open concept and that open mindset of saying, Let's look at all these other uh, variables and other ways that we, we can get you yeah. some some playing time.
1: I think guys gotta just gotta realize there's only so many division one athletes, you know, the go power yeah. five. You know, or go to these big these big schools. And you got to think, you have to ask yourself, and I think the biggest corporate are parents, parents and uncles and cousins mm-hmm. and everybody outside. You mm-hmm. need to really ask yourself, is that young man or young lady the best in their area? And if they're yeah. the best in the area, are they the best in their city? And if they're the best in their city, are they the best in their region? That's oh, yeah. the guy that's going to Power 5. And the one thing that discourages me a lot is when people start to compare their kids to other kids. So oh, yeah. my son, my son yeah. got more yards than him. He's a better runner than him. Well, let's look at the let's start to take a look, break down the physical attributes. Your son is 5'10, 170 pounds. You know what? I can go outside in any park and throw a rocket, hit a kid that's 5'10, and 170 pounds. Hmm. Now, another the kid that you're comparing yourself to, that kid is 6, 1, 215 pounds.
0: <laughs>
1: so understand, yeah. understand, understand you gotta understand from a coach a coach's mindset, they're in the business of winning games and getting yeah. the biggest, the fastest, the best athletes. They don't, the, the the best line I've ever heard: I don't recruit heart; I recruit talent. Everyone always says, "Oh, you got to measure how big the heart is." Yeah. My job is in the recruit heart. My yeah. job is to recruit talent.
0: Everybody's you know? got heart.
1: Yeah, you you can. You know, the smallest man is one hundred fifteen pounds. Probably had the biggest heart in the world. But you know what? Yeah. He can't play linebacker for for an NFL team because he's too small. That's true. That's, That's true. the bottom line. So I, I wish parents would stop. You know, they need to really open and broaden their horizons. And I'm not saying for. I'm not saying take away a kids' dream. If a kid wants to shoot for the big division ones, absolutely keep working hard and get getting that.
0: Yeah, but if yeah. that
1: opportunity doesn't come, take the next best thing that is for you and go get that education. I think too many of us defer to junior college and think that's going to be the answer. I'm a, sorry, I'm going I'm to I'm let a big secret out right now. Junior college doesn't make you division one. It doesn't. You're either a D one athlete going into junior college, or you're a fallback from D one going to junior college because you <laughs> messed up to get your grades right. If you're a guy that's just going to junior college to try to develop into Division One, it happens, but it very happens rarely. And number two, you're always—they're always, always going to bring somebody in to take your position, or you're going to be splitting time with somebody. Period. That's just—that's just, that's just the, the beast of it. Most people are Division One athletes before they go to they go to junior college. They get their stuff right, and then they move on. Okay. It's
0: not—it's okay.
1: not, it's not <laughs> the other way around. Junior college is not going to develop you to be a Division One athlete. It doesn't work that way. That's you
0: that's know? telling, and that, that's probably. I won't say crushing to some, not even the athletes, but I'll say to the parents, because I mean, and, and, and I go back to what you were saying. And I think a lot of times parents try to live their failed athletic dreams out by their kids. And I, I saw this a lot when I when I when I was uh, coaching. But, and, and that's such a disservice to the child and to the athlete themselves, because they'll never live up to that false expectation.
1: Unless they make it right. to the NFL, and that's very that's very so rare that it's going to do, or they make it to Major League Baseball or something yeah. like that. I believe I believe they just. I mean, you got to really figure out what's important to you. And I always tell kids, if you go to college and get your degree, you're going to become a pro. Yeah, it may not be a pro athlete, but you're going to be professional something.
0: Professional something.
1: Because yeah. you have that piece of paper to back you up, and it's always going to open up a door for you. Um, but if you're if you're if you're putting all your eggs in one basket, says so you know they're going to go to school and become an athlete or be a professional athlete. Man, there's only 3%. You got to think, there's over a million high school kids that play on Friday mm-hmm. nights. Mm-hmm. There's only 300 and some thousand college students that play on Saturdays. <laughs> so that means 700,000 are left behind that aren't playing on Saturday. And then from that 300,000 that's playing on Saturday, there's only roughly about 600 that's playing on Sunday in the NFL. The numbers drop drastically. So... If you do if, if you if you want to just look at statistics alone, it drops yeah. so drastically that there's only three percent guys that playing in college are going to go into the NFL. And, and are you top of that three percent? Maybe, maybe not. But odds are you're probably not going to be that three percent. So That's why true. not why not be the next best thing is is to get your piece of paper, your degree, and be a pro at something. That degree right now is established. You're going to make forty thousand dollars a year regardless of what's happening. Period. No matter what happens, mm-hmm. no matter I don't care what the economy's bad. Whatever job you get. You're going to be making about $40,000 a year, period. That, okay. only, that only that changes your family's wealth, that changes your family directory, and that gives you intellectual intellectual wealth, Yeah. period. Yeah. Where if you don't do it, you have none of that. And now we're out here hustling. We're out here doing these other things and trying to make ends meet, and we have to do it the hard way. I'm saying exactly. go play your sport, go get your opportunities together, get your degree. And from that point on, man, life li- let life take its place at that point because now you've opened so many doors for yourself.
0: Yeah, that that resonates really good because because it's it's refreshing to hear you mention that sports is great but sports isn't everything right yeah. if you're if you're not that two three percent man you, you you pro I'm not probably gonna be watching you on Sunday afternoon right I'm just probably not yeah, but yeah. but that's okay. Right, okay. go there, get that paper, get the, get that degree signed. Uh, make sure it's signed. That's that's one thing my mother told me. You know, when I got mine, you know, it's it's good you got your your degree, baby. But make sure that make sure the man signed it. I was, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Uh, but but then you have something to fall back on, right? You you have some concrete skills, regardless of what they what they may be. So so that's that's really telling, and I and I really appreciate that you're emphasizing that with the athletes that, that you that you work with. Mm-hmm. So let let me ask, how is this particular time 2020 affecting you everything's in lockdown we don't have any sports uh or yeah. we have very little uh engagement with uh sports how's it yeah. affecting you right now
1: it's really let's 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 get even <laughs> down let's talk specifically the state of california so in california it's bad you know and i'm gonna, I'm gonna and i'm gonna speak especially for the, the class of 2021 it's really it's just gonna be a messed up time with this COVID thing and not not have an opportunity to play and showcase your talent. I think it's bad not only for 2021, but it's also bad for 2022 because there's no junior film. So coaches can't recruit you off Mm -hmm. of your junior film. They got to recruit you off your sophomore film, which is really difficult, which we know you can develop a lot between your sophomore and senior year. Mm -hmm. Period. Um, So those two classes are screwed with this COVID thing and and hopefully it gets better next year, but as of right now, they're screwed. Um, Mm -hmm. With that being said, um, now the opportunities are limited because now NCAA has given... Uh, schools seniors their year back they have a they have a chance to have another year of eligibility So you got to think of a school say let's, let's talk Sac State for instance And I don't know the mm-hmm. numbers. This is all speaking hypothetically But let's say Sac State going into this year before COVID hit they had 20 scholarships to offer You know, they were gonna graduate 10 seniors and they had 10 available. Well mm-hmm. now those 10 seniors are gonna stay So that you don't have 20 scholarships, no, you only have yeah, 10. Yeah, okay you only have 10 because they're not leaving you have to pay for the school another year the school's not going to give you more budget NCAA's not going to give you more scholarships so now that 10 that you had that 20 you thought you had is now down to 10. now you can only recruit 10 guys
0: wow. around and around
1: around so now imagine how selective they can be now because that's trickles all the way down from the bigger schools to the small schools so those big schools that used to have 20 now they only got 10 so those other 10 that we're going to take they got to fall down to the next level they fall on the sac state slap Sac State, the guys that weren't going to Sac State now fall into some Division II schools. lap. fall into the you know it, it's just going to trickle down, and there's yeah. only so many spots. It's very now it used to be a, a, a big amount of spots, now it's very condensed. It's little schools have now you know half of what they had before because people are opting back in um, yeah. for that for the extra year. So now <laughs> you got to be really forceful in your choices. You got to really make sure you you know if you want that opportunity, you got to go out there and take it. You can't hesitate. We don't have the luxury in California to sit around and wait and be picky like we did years before, you know, where guys had 10 or 12 offers and they want to wait.
0: Yeah. And,
1: you know, I am going to go on my recruiting trips. I want to wait. I'm going to see what happens now. It's going to happen. I think when early signing day for the guys that want to go to the big time schools, if they don't sign, I think schools are going to move on, period. There's not going to be no evidence wow. of what's They're going to move on. And when those guys move on and, and those scholarships get pulled or those offers get pulled, now <laughs> everybody's going to scramble where they're going to go now and figure out what home from there. And then imagine that. That's the D1 guys. Imagine guys that are mostly D2 and NAI level, and NAI mm-hmm. is a collective of D2, people don't know that, In Division three level. Division three is non-scholarship, by the way. They only go on academics when you get there. So they only offer you a roster spot. They don't offer you academic, athletic money. Division two and NAI offer you athletic money. So now the money from there, they, they also get another year too. So their money is shrunk as well. So when you're trying to find these, these smaller schools from a, a person like me who really works with them a lot, those numbers aren't there anymore. You know where I can go to a school and send them five people. They're like, my town, we're only taking one. So now, I'm directly I can't send five guys there no more. I have to kind of branch out more and hopefully there's other places. And the the other thing that people are looking at, more schools are now going to be looking locally because they don't have the budget to go out because of COVID. They don't have the luxury to be able to travel because of COVID. Makes you can't sense, go meet. Yeah. You can't meet face to face and go into a home visit the kid because of COVID. So yeah. now. If I don't get to see you face to face and don't be able to put the eyeball test on you and make sure you meet all the attributes and you look like the athlete I think you are, then most likely I'm not going to offer you. I'll go offer Billy this around the corner that i seen at the local high school
0: yeah. and I can
1: go to his house and see him at the local restaurant and I can get an eyeball test. And maybe he might be a little less talented, but at least I know exactly what I'm getting with Billy.
0: You know exactly of, what you're getting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To the
1: final. You guys oh. got to remember. I mean, people like Ian, I got to remember wow. these coaches. These are his coaches jobs. They're coaching for their life. This is their life. This is how they feed their family. Yeah. I can't t- I can't take a chance on a kid I never seen before I don't know anything about when I can take a chance on a kid that is right around the corner
0: yeah because a zoom call trying to pick someone's athletic uh, ath- uh, capabilities <laughs> yeah. does not work you know, at it's all. Not,
1: yeah, it doesn't work man I mean and you can look at the film and, and I mean and these kids I mean they're showing seven on seven film and they're showing them the workout and that's all good you, you need to continue to do that because you got to show that you've been active but that's not a true indicative of who you are unless they get a chance to see you face to face. I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm, sp- I'm sure you feel the same way. If I'm not about to invest $50,000 or $200,000 scholarship in you yeah. or in a, in a kid, I want to see him and make sure because if I go to my head coach and tell him, you know what, this kid becomes a bust. I just wasted $200,000 of the school's money of this kid on, the, on this kid that's never going to probably play for us or not going to contribute to our football program for for, for three to four years. Um. That, that's a clear sign of a guy that might get fired from his job because that 200000 could have went to somebody else. They couldn't invest it in someone else. So I think people got to be really, really diligent about if you have an offer and someone is attracted to you as a, as a student athlete, you need to very investigate it and be very diligent about, about possibly taking that offer and don't mm-hmm. wait for – the the big, the big, the big, the big bomb to drop out of the side to give you some division ones offer, you might really want to consider those D2 offers and maybe, and and really make an effort to see if that's the right place for your, for your student athlete.
0: So that, that grass may not be greener on the other side. If you try to hold out and hold your breath and wait, wait for something else to show up. Or
1: or you might not get no grass at all. You You might, you might not get,
0: (laughs) but But that's, that's, that's that's so real, right? I mean, that, that really is the reality of it, but, um, we, 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 we think we are what we are but and we, we swear we can still you know run a 40 and however fast but um when, when it comes to the saber metrics when it comes to numbers don't lie when it when it comes to the film right uh what what can you do for me today now i'm not worried about tomorrow what can you do it, for me today
1: and, and also you got to look at a kid's upswing i mean if there's a kid your parents is five ten and you're six foot you're not gonna grow to be six four or six five to be a quarterback. Yeah. You know, yeah. that 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 is your trajectory. You're going to be about a six foot kid and you may grow an inch or two. But that's about it where, you know, some kids you can see their family and see them like, OK, well, he's like six one. His dad is 6'6". Six six. Mom looks 6'2". Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm, you know, the probability he might grow a little bit. We might want to take a chance on that kid and, and, and go him. So people just, you know, you can't look at just the now in high school sports for athletes. Coaches are also looking at what can I grow him into? I want to. I want to make okay. sure he has ability now. Definitely, you know, he's got to have the ability, but I also want to see what can he grow to, and how can we make him a bigger, a bigger, better, faster athlete. You
0: gotcha. know, what is his upswing?
1: You know, basically, what is his upswing, his gotcha. or her upswing? So yeah. I think there's so many dynamics that goes into the recruiting part that I think parents only see the comparison part, comparing their kid to another person, and why they got mm-hmm. offered and why my kid didn't, instead of saying, you know what, I really got to be realistic with my child and be like, you know what, let's go get. Let's go get that NAIA money from 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 Dorton hmm. College and get my kid a degree in four years. And and I always tell kids, you know what? You don't never want to be the person that plays on the team. You want to be the person that's cutting the check. You know, working in the front office. <laughs> if that's what that's you true. want to do.
0: That's you know.
1: True. Let's be that's honest true. with you. If, I, if, if an owner can afford to pay a player ten million dollars, that means he's making twenty million. Yeah. So exactly. If, if you if you really want to be involved in the sports and that's your passion, you know, start looking at it from the business end as well, instead of just play, instead of playing. And you can only do that unless you go to school.
0: One last question, and then, then I'll, I'll let you kind of um, freestyle a little bit. But you, you brought up something, and, and I wonder. I know you. I know you have all your engagement and your na- interaction with the athlete themselves. But do you have the one-on-one session with the parent themselves, right? About these are some true expectations, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Tim is good at basketball, but man, he, you know, I know he wants to go to. I don't know Syracuse. He wants to go to St. Mary's. Where, but man, you know what? Let let's go ahead. And, let's go ahead and let him go to the Solano Community College right now. All right. I mean, yeah. do you have those types of conversations? Yes. With, yes. With yes. yes. You talking about?
1: Do I have those <laughs> those awkward conversations?
0: If, um, worried, I've, I've said that a million times. I'm yeah, glad yeah, you used that yeah, phrase. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm a drink yeah, to that. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I I I'm brutally honest, and I'm brutally honest with the kid first. Um, mm. I try to tell him. His expectations first, and I tell them all the time. You know, my word isn't he, but I'm. I got a damn good percentage of kids I know this division one who had, who's not, and yeah. I tell them. I try to be very brutally honest and them. With the parents, I do. I, I have those conversations with them, um, but I try to educate the person, the parents even beforehand. I have a I have a bi-weekly series that I have called Straight from the Horse's Mouth. Where I bring mm. coaches from from all over the country to speak to student athletes, and it's open dialogue. You can talk to mm. them. You can ask them any questions you want. You can talk to them about recruiting. You can talk to them about the school, talk about anything you want. I wanted it's, forget me as the middleman. I'm don't hear it from me. Yeah. Hear it from a guy that's in the profession that's gonna tell you exactly what's going on and what they want. And they break it down from the size they want of the lineman, the size they want of the quarterback, how fast they want their receivers and all that they, they break down everything you want is imaginable to ask. So you can hear it directly from a coach. So it can also resonate when I'm telling you, it reinforces what I'm te- I'm telling you you may or may not be that person and this is the reasons why and that coach just told you so that's a bi-weekly call i have also on my website i have an ability where you can load your you can upload your film and i'll break you down your film and i'll tell you what i see the good the bad and the ugly in your film so i'll tell you straight up on your film like hey uh you don't do this well you need to work on this you need to you know you need to work on that or you do do this very well this is where i think you fit as far as schools are concerned you know i think you're this kind this type of player so i have all that on my website um, that people can go access to and go take a look at, um, it's NBA Um You can go on there. There's a play you know, you can go through there. Uh, there's some certain links that you can click on there, and you mm-hmm. can definitely upload your film. So I think those two things I kind of have. Um, it's funny, and I'll give you an example. I had a, I had a conversation once with a, with a parent, a single mother, and I was telling her about, a, you know, we were talking about a school her child should go to. They were really interested in it. And the funny thing, the kid that got offered from a school, a small school in Kansas she was very reluctantly to send her son to kansas you know she was like you know there's no there's there's no black people there There's no this there's this i'm and i'm like you know what and i just you know she said they're gonna call him the n-word and all this and I, and I and me i was very brutally honest i said i don't think that's the first time someone's ever you know you, you, your son has ever heard the n-word and so it's, it's not going to be the last you know so why would you deprive of education just because of that don't let that be the, your your restriction in Taking away this opportunity for your young for this young man and mm-hmm. he ended up when there he actually he actually was very successful he got his degree and everything he's a teacher now but i mean those are the kind of, you know those conversations i do have um but you know it's far a few in between I, like i said i want to educate him before i have those conversations
0: i you get tell. it i get it i love it i love yeah. it tell us what's next man what what, what do you got going on again it's, it's it's hectic right now because again you can't get out there and have that that dialogue but uh yeah. I feel I feel the energy resonating from you, so I know something's happening. I know you got oh, something cooking in the kitchen right now. Man. Tell us, I got, I got so many things
1: cooking, but my main thing is I really want the, I really want to you know and use your platform. Also, I want to talk about Division Two football in the state of California. Um, I think it's a travesty that we don't have it anymore, except for the School of Azusa Pacific. Um, it's it's funny to me how we're the fourth largest economy in the world, not 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 the United States. We're the fourth largest economy in the world, and we can't afford to have our Students play Division Two scholarship football Mm. in the state of California. You know they cut all the programs, uh, which is which is mind boggling to me. I don't I don't I'm not quite sure why they've done it. I know before they tried to hide behind Title IX, and what people that don't know what Title IX is, as it means for every men's scholarship you have to have a woman's scholarship. You know for sports, Uh, but typically it's equal. You know if you have baseball, you have softball. If you have men's basketball, you have women's basketball. You have men's and women's track, so scholarships are equal across the board. But it needs to be tweaked or tweeted somehow because there is no sport that, that employs a hundred people and in, in, like football does. Football has a roster of a hundred people in the collegiate level. There's no woman's sport that has a hundred scholarships. I mean a hundred people that participate and also mm-hmm. within that also no division two there's only 36 scholarships that are there. So they give you can give out 36 full scholarships for division two. There is no sport in women's that house I don't believe in 36 participants fully to be able to equal that. You know um, Humboldt State kind of got away with, with it for a long time because Humboldt State would have they didn't have base men's baseball So the football team scholarships would transfer to the south softball team. So that's okay. that's kind of how they even killed it um, But I do believe title nine just needs to be readjusted. I'm all in agreement I believe that's correct. If you offer a men's a man athletic athlete, you should offer a women athlete But instead of going one for one, I believe it should be percentages if you say, you know All the men athletes you have in your school if 60% are on scholarship then 60% of the women should be on scholarship Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. just that's, That way that just gets football a little bit more tweak. Um, And I know big schools are able to do it. You know, like UCLA, they can they can incorporate and bring gymnastics to kind of offset for everyone to get a scholarship right. and so on. But smaller schools like Humboldt, Cal State East Bay, uh, Sonoma, Chico, they can't they don't have the budget to do that. So I believe there needs to be some type of tweak within there. Um, but back to giving it back, though, again, for the state of California to be the fourth largest economy also. <laughs> In, in the LA Times back what uh, back in June, there was an article that there was a $1.5 billion surplus in the state education system, and you still don't have the budget to be able to have these schools have um, have football. And, yeah. and it, it, it's mind boggling because, again, let me kind of give my direction for everybody. So I work in corporate America. Um, the biggest thing in corporate America, and I crossed the border because I work for four, for, I mean, three Fortune 500 companies, there is a lack of qualified, men of color to apply for uh, new college entries or uh, entry-level jobs. There's just a lack of them. There's not not very many of them there. Um, I believe the state of California, by cutting football from these programs, has cut off the legs of men of color to have the opportunity to go to school. And the best way to cut off progress is cut off opportunity. If you want to stop progress, cut off opportunity. So I think the state of California, (laughs) With these schools talking about it within their budget and dropping football, they have cut off the opportunity for men of color to go to school. Period. Now, people will say, hey, you don't have the, you know, football is not a privilege for you to go to school, but football is something that attracts men of color to go to school. in each one of those schools that say drop football, their men of color enrollment, the diversity enrollment for men have dropped. Every last one of them. They all have dropped. Also, within that same, in the same introductory, which happened in 1995, I believe, they started cutting the football programs. The incarceration rate in the state of California went up all for those years, so it's a common denominator. Men from 17 to 24 went to more went took more penitentiary chances and went to jail, and men of 17 24 stopped going to college because they cut off their football programs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, it, I, I blame the state of California for that. I mean, you that was a that was something that uniquely identified a special demographic to schools to bring men of color onto their campuses to create innovation education and so on and so on, and you cut it off. You allow these schools to be able to cut it off and run behind whatever excuse they wanted to run behind, whether it was budgetary, uh, Title IX, whatever it is, you allow them to run behind and cut their program because you felt it was easier to just to do that dynamic instead of to deal with the real crisis at hand. And that means bringing these people back, bringing these young young men back to campuses, letting them compete competitive, and letting them get their degree. you got to think about it. With those six schools, and if you mm-hmm. take a couple of the private schools, so... Let's say if you take Humboldt State, Chico, Sonoma, San Francisco State, Cal State, East Bay, and Long Beach State. And let's also think about Menlo College, UC Santa Barbara, St. Mary's, and Santa Clara all had football. All of them had Mm -hmm. football. That's that's 10 schools. Of those 10 schools, graduated 10 men of color every year for the last 25 years. Would have a 2,500 workforce of men of color in the state of California. Educated. That means they can go to work. they They have jobs in these companies. They would be able to go back to the community. They would be have a reach to other people. They would change their family dynamic. They would have intellectual intellectual uh, uh, wealth at that point. They could go do tremendous amount of things if they all that five that twenty five hundred reached out to just two more people. That's seventy five hundred people <laughs> in a trajectory to get college. That's a whole town. That's yeah. a whole company that could change the whole dynamic of a whole community of a whole of a whole economic system. You know you're no longer you're no longer on the corner hustling you're actually paying taxes you're making yeah. forty thousand dollars a year you're opening your own business you're becoming entrepreneurs you you're climbing up the corporate ladder you 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 got a development skill set you're more wealth to your family your kids probably now will become going to college because you set that tone at that point you've you've opened up a whole dynamic that was there that they cut off and that's just my football.
0: Yeah. so let me so let me ask a question that i'm kind of known for just throwing throwing a curveball right so where do you think you can influence into changing this entire dynamic right is it is it legislative or is it more on the educational side right Uh, is it actually being part of a school's school district a school administration piece or is it actually going to the state uh, capitol talking to the uh, lobbyists and talking to those folks or is it a combination of both
1: I think it might be a combination of both. I think I think when we have to talk to the individual schools and the athletic directors at those schools and ask them, you know, and and also talk to admissions at those schools as well as the presidents and ask them first, ask them the reason why and why they're not making an effort to bring it back, hmm. uh, because I because I truly believe at the state that the state schools, you could actually have football with non-scholarship and those schools will be they would thrive with with student athletes wanting to come there in the state of California, because let's be honest, hmm. kids want to stay closer to home. They want to play. You know, mm-hmm. FAFSA will cover a mass majority, especially of the people that are lower income and state schools are affordable. So with that all being said, they would plan under the non-scholarship rule because schools like USD, University of San Diego has been able to do it for years and be successful. So why can't we implement that same program at these division two, division two school at the state level, at state school levels, the council like e and so on? The non scholarship have a plan for them to do it for the next five years to, to grow, to be able to get those money games, to put influence money into to the program, to be able to all, have all those things to be so it can be self-sufficient at that point, and now we can continue to have our kids with uh, with with the with the um, with the with the support system being here here in California, and then to be mm-hmm. able to play and represent their school in front of us. You know, it would be you would yeah. have a high success rate.
0: You you you're, you're touching all the right buttons, and and I'm, I'm looking over here and I got another screen going, and and I, right now no more. And the reason being is I've got a number of college athletes people who play college sports that are watching right now and they're saying is have you know this is a great conversation because this is resonating with them and wishing that something like this had been, talked about more accessible, whatever the case may be right when, when, when they were playing and that's really why I asked you the question of where can you again influence into the system more you know is, is it from, yeah. from the administrative piece or is it more from the legislative piece I mean if, if we need to get you on the line with, with Gavin Newsom himself or whatever or the <laughs> or the Chancellor at uh, UC Davis you know what, what, what needs to happen to have uh, this because you're just talking football right you you've kind of just narrowed the numbers down and just talk about that particular sport but if we had this conversation about sports in general so track and field baseball volleyball whatever the case may be yeah and and i I don't i'm i'm I'm, i don't know enough but i don't know if it's cost so much from a financial perspective to even implement something like this right because almost everything is dollars and cents right and that's the reason why things
1: (laughs) <laughs> I, and I can I can address that kind, and I'm I'm gonna address yeah. it with football particularly. Football is the one is probably the number one money making sport out of all those six schools, state schools that were there. Football makes yeah. the most money out of all of yeah. them. It makes the most money than basketball, so on and so on, all of mm-hmm. them because it draws so much more of a crowd. One, the way football works is that they can draw money games. Humboldt was a Humboldt was on before they cut their program. they were on the right since they were scheduling the Idaho states where they would get three hundred thousand. They were scheduling okay. schools like UC Davis, so they were getting money. So. That's what I'm saying, go non-scholarship in the beginning and figure out your plan to be able to make it self-sufficient. So the UC Davis is a world, I mean, UC Davis has done very successful, but let's say the humble states of the world can now can make a money game playing against San Jose State, where they would get $600,000 to play against them. That would fund their whole program the whole for the whole year. So if you have a coach and a fundraiser or athletic department that can show them the way, all those schools could be self-sufficient within four years. But in the meantime, you can open the door for non-scholarship players to come participate in there and get the program off the ground. I, I can guarantee you there is 100 yeah. kids in Oakland that would love to play for Cal State East Bay. Man. I guarantee it. I guarantee there's kids from Sacramento and, and Northern California that would love to play for Chico and Humboldt State. I guarantee they can find one hundred participants to participate play and play and, and get their program off the ground and start. Now the cost would be travel, obviously, is a, is a big cost, and the cost of the yeah. coaches. But again, if they're but they're bringing in uh, uh, enough of a revenue to help to cover that nut or cover most of that nut, why yeah. not bring the sport back? Because you're attracting a whole different demographic to your campus. It is, it, you know, you,
0: you, you that's pretty you have good. It all that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. You know. Uh, I, I, I'm taking mental notes because because I don't I don't think this conversation is done. I, I you know <laughs> I, I I I'm probably considering that, that I do we do a panel have some type of conversation yeah. around subject matter experts in this field. I am not one of those, but I would love to to moderate or you know help produce something like that. And I think getting other athletes, other collegiate athletes, folks that are in it, some type of administration, some folks that are in some type of uh, legislation as well, and ask that hard question, the why it is mm-hmm. the way it is, and, and, and give some examples of some possibilities. I think that's a conversation that needs to happen. And I, I, I know that would be a, a decent discussion, for, especially for the parents who are in the, in the position right now of trying to figure out where their student athletes should go and kind of help calm some of the anxiety that the student-athlete themselves is probably feeling right now because they don't know where to go one because of all this pandemic and lockdown and two because there's not there doesn't look like there's many opportunities when in fact there really could be right exactly. If we just think about if we just mm-hmm. think about the system in a different way. Does that yes. make sense?
1: Yep. I, I, agree, I agree with you 100% I mean and, uh, you know I would love to be a part of the panel or be a part of a or somebody can shoot questions at me I'm ready yeah. for rapid fire whatever they want whatever they <laughs> uh-huh. want to throw I think I'm I'm, I'm think I'm well versed in what's going on. And there's something I don't know. I'll be I'll be open and honest that I don't know. But I do know there's a way that that these programs should be able to get back off and running. And it shouldn't be a situation where it's so cost effective that they can't do it because there's money in the state. There's money in the budget. Like I said, there's a one point five billion surplus in, Mm -hmm. in the education part of California. So you can't tell me there's no, no money there. You just don't want to spend it. And, and, mm. and I, and me personally, I think it's personal. i ta- I take your personal because I think you're excluding that demographic of educated men of color period. I don't want to hear it. There's no, there's nothing else because that sport. That's what we grab. That would gravitate to. men of color to participate yeah. in that sport. So yeah. why are you cutting off that one dynamic? If that's the case, then cut off women's soccer. They won't do yeah. that because they know they'll hell will be raised.
0: Right, right, They won't right. I mean, I, mean, I mean, that's just real, right? I mean, that's just a, a real conversation, and you have to ask those hard questions to folks that are in in the know and and see what they say, right? And yep. and and hold them accountable to that. So, I mean, I, I love it. So, I will. I'm going to take this action item to continue this conversation. I'll make sure that you're involved in that, and I know a number of other folks uh, will will want to participate as well. Uh, I already showed your website. Uh, is there any other place where folks can kind of get in contact with you in terms of some of the activities that you're doing, some of the uh, conversations that you're having? Either I know you do some interviews on television as well down in San Diego, but so uh, w- whenever you're gonna be on the San Diego news, uh, uh, we, I'm sure folks would like to know about that too. Talk to them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Usually during during high school football season, which is not happening, I'm 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 a high school analysis for Fox Sports. Um, also, like I said, my website is the best part to get a, get a hold of me. If you guys have any questions or, you know, just want to shoot, you know, understand some more things about what NBA sports does, it's NBA sports.net. Yeah. Um, All you know, one word. Um, man, I'm an open book. You hit me on those two platforms, <laughs> you, I'm good. And my Twitter, my Twitter's kind of NBA sports number one. Um, if you hit me on that platform, I'm pretty I'm pretty accessible to get to. I try okay. to follow. I try to get back to everyone um as you guys can see i'm pretty passionate about this, this these certain topics because i believe there's some there just needs to be some resolution to this and give our kids an opportunity man there's too many kids man. leaving california and there's not enough of them that has enough opportunity to be able to progress in
0: this world man if you weren't passionate it wouldn't be worth doing right no, nothing nothing in the world is easy so you got you got to work hard to to to, to succeed yes sir. Until, i appreciate you man this this was a, was a amazing conversation uh eye-opening for me just in terms of not knowing all the different dynamics right and types of um, things that you bring to the conversation so i appreciate you i appreciate your time um again we, we're going to continue this conversation you will definitely be part of it but uh to the utmost i want to say thank you for who you are and what it is that you do because you're doing you're doing some good work man thank you my brother i appreciate it appreciate you now all right